You're listening to River Church Podcast. To learn more about River Church or to support us financially, please visit us online at rivercolumbia.com. We hope that you enjoy this week's message. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. All right, everybody go to Genesis 12. Genesis 12. This thing's scary. Lots of people traveling and not here today. Weddings and all kinds of fun stuff. Miss them. Miss them, miss them. Genesis 12. Okay, actually put one thumb there. Put one thumb there or if you're, you know, super fancy, got one of the good Bibles, put your little ribbon there. Go to the, pretty much the opposite end of the Bible. Go to 1 John 3. Blake, that help you out with the direction there? Opposite end. <laughs> it's a hard right. First <laughs> John 3, verse 7. A couple of verses I want to just start off with reading here to anchor us in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be spending, I think it's going to be weeks, maybe months, maybe years. But for the next little while, we're going to spend some time in Matthew 5 through 7. And before we get there, I just kind of want to uh, like anchor us in a few scriptures that lead straight into that. Um, all right, First John 3, verse 7. Little children, that's you and that's me, every one of us. No matter what your age is, no matter you know, what you think you know and how long you've been following the Lord and how many letters you got next to your degree and whatever else, it's little children, every single one of us, sons and daughters of the Lord, which is beautiful, super freeing, but also... Uh, really important that we understand what that address really gets at. Uh, my, the posture of my heart, receiving and accepting and living in the reality that I am just a little babe before the Lord. From now until the time I'm, you know, 99 or 102 or 70 or whatever, a little, little child, right? Uh, that implies that I'm in need uh, of a lot, which I am. And so are you. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Let's read this verse again. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. That's getting straight into it, right? Uh, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. All right, let's go to the left a little bit in our scriptures to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Second Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All right, how many of you guys know... Uh, if you don't know this, you're about to know this. <laughs> How many of you guys know that you were born uh, under the curse of sin and by nature a child of wrath? That means that your heart opposed God, rebelled against God, distrusted God, didn't want to have anything to do with Him. And like a child born in a country that inherits their citizenship, we as humanity inherited a nature that we didn't really work for, but we, didn't, we, we, we were brought right into or born right into. We were a sinner by nature. We rebelled against the Lord's heart. 
We didn't trust his heart that it's good and therefore didn't listen to him, didn't see him rightly as a good father there to love us, care for us. So we rebelled against that and decided through the deceit of sin and under the deceit of sin and under the curse of sin, we decided to be the Lord of our own life and to worship self rather than the creator, which led to all kinds of chaos. Depending on who you are and how long you lived without coming to a revelation that Jesus is Lord, that chaos looked different for you. Some of you, that chaos looked like being a really, really good moral person and thinking you were better than people or not. Some of you, that chaos looked like doing drugs to satisfy a need that only he could fill. I mean, it just we could go on and on, but every single one of us, by nature, remember, by nature, children of wrath. What that means is, again, that our heart was bent, it was deceived by sin and then bent on self, being the Lord of our own life. And it just, in the same way that if my little boy Pierce tried to be the like master of his own life right now, this whole thing would have been torn down about 20 minutes ago because he was walking straight for it. And there would have been a lot of chaos that came from that. That's the picture. It's like innocent maybe, but still chaos, <laughs> like utter chaos. And Danger. More specifically, according to the scriptures, where that analogy falls is that death was the end of us being the Lord of our own life. Okay, so by nature, children of wrath, right? But what we just read here, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, just as we bore the image of Adam, that's who we got our citizenship of the earth from, so to speak. The nature of sin from was Adam. Just as we bore his image, 1 Corinthians 15 says, we shall surely bear the image of the heavenly man, which is Christ. If our faith is in him, we have now put off the old man. If you've been baptized and only if you've been baptized, not if you've been around church your whole life, not if you think you've, by the way, there's no such thing as you've known God your whole life. No such thing. You might have known about God your whole life. But to know him means to genosco him. It means to have personal, intimate fellowship. And the only way that happens is if he forgives your sin and gives you a way back to him. So, therefore, we are now, if we're in Christ, literally, like the picture is like up under him. (laughs) Up in him, like putting him on as a garment. If we're in Christ, we're a new creation. We have been born again to a living hope. If we've made that confession that Jesus is Lord, we believed and confessed with our mouth and then believed in our heart that God raised him from the dead. We got in water. The old passed away. We died with Christ and we were raised to newness in life. Only then, and if that has taken place in your life, and only then are you a new creation. I'm not a new creation because I like how that sounds and it gets me through a day emotionally. I'm not a new creation because that sounds good and I want to get to heaven. That's not what that's about. I'm a new creation if my trust has been put in Jesus as Lord of my life and I have given over all of my rights to him because I never had any to begin with. I've given him my spirit, my soul, and my body. Nothing about me is my own. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. Again, to put it very clearly and plainly, the only way I'm a new creation is if I have confessed him as Lord with my mouth, I have believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead, This is Romans 10, right? And then I got in water. Got in water. Why got in water? Well, Romans 6 says it clearly. But number two, Jesus modeled this perfectly for us. This is to fulfill all righteousness. Why would we need to fulfill all righteousness? So that we would get under the water. The old man would be taken off like a a cloak, like a garment. 
and we would put on the new man. So that means that when I got under the water, the old nature stayed there dead with Christ because he died for my sin. And then I was raised above that water. And as soon as I was raised above that water by faith alone, not by emotion, not by tears, not by anything other than by simple trust. That's what faith means. Pistis is trust. It is not a feeling. That word faith gets weird today because people talk about faith in awkward, just silly ways, human ways. Faith is not anything other than simple trust and reliance on him. So in the same way that Pierce relied on me this morning to put a shirt on him. Reliance, otherwise he would have been walking in here with his little old belly hanging out, and we all would have thought that was cute for sure, but he would have been walking on in here with his little belly hanging out, no, he fully reliant on his parents, right? That's what faith is, is trust, a full reliance upon him to put on a new nature, because I have seen through the preaching of the gospel that my old self is not only not good at being Lord of my life, more specifically and more clearly what the gospel and the scriptures proclaim is that I was dead. It wasn't that I was kind of like doing bad and I needed to get a little bit better. I was dead in sin. I might have been living in the flesh, but I was, my spirit was dead, unresponsive to God. And so when I was raised above the water and only then, I, my testimony is funny because I like, was a philosophy major for a while and I thought I was really smart. I'm, the Lord made me intelligent, I get it. And somebody's going to be like, no, you're smart. And I was like, okay, I get it. But like, I thought I was really, really smart and knew everything. So I was a philosophy major. And not that all philosophy majors are that way. Um, but, you know, it's kind of where it landed me. It's like, I'm going to tell everybody else why they're dumb, you know. And meanwhile, I don't really believe anything. Um, that was a joke. But anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was a philosophy major. My sister, my older sister, she came to know the Lord and was born again in like middle school age, maybe a little bit younger than that. I, you know, gave her grief all her high school years, made fun of her, all that kind of stuff, told her she was silly and cheesy and weird and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I've asked for forgiveness from her. But eventually she got me to go to a place and, and get into a setting where I could just hear the gospel preach, like what I just talked about, where I could hear that preach. And I, like, I've told this story before, this testimony before. This was back uh, at a church where they would give altar calls and invitations regularly, which was beautiful. And so I had never been in a service like that before. And so I'm hearing the gospel preach, and, you know, something was going on inside of me. I had no idea. But I was like, this sounds pretty uh, good. It's pretty great. <laughs> And the guy, the, the preacher gives, a, gives an altar call. And so I, you know, thought what he was doing was asking everybody to stand up and raise their hand. Like if they like agreed or like liked this. I don't know. That's just what was going through my mind. So I was like, I was, yeah, sure. And so I stood up. <laughs> you guys know what happens when you stand up in that setting, right? You get like a swarm. It's beautiful. Like a swarm of people like, hey, brother, you want to go pray? And I'm like who the heck are you? What are you like? What is going on right now? You know, and I'm standing there and my sister, I could feel the like, go pray, go pray. And it's like, it's real, all really sweet stuff. Not making light of any of them. But I like, long story short, it was like, no, nah, I'm good. And it was like really awkward. They're like, oh, 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 okay. Well, he, you just stood. And he was, I was like, yeah, I, I thought he was just asking everybody to stand. I'm sorry. So I sit back down. We like ride home. My sister's like, so why didn't you go like, you know, talk to him about that? And I was like, oh, what do you mean? I just like, I thought it was good. We, I don't know what you're saying right now. And she's like, well, why don't you talk to them? You know, she's trying to like graciously without being like forceful lead me to like confess Jesus as Lord. And I'm like, yeah, I thought it was good. And I went home that night and read my Bible because it was really good. And I was like super curious. And I remember going home, starting to read John, not understanding a single thing, but really amazed. 
Like, like, this is interesting. And so I started going by myself. Back then they had an evening service. There were like three services. There was an evening service. And, you know, my sister would go to the morning services. I didn't want her to, this is so sad that I was this prideful. <laughs> I didn't want her to know that I was go, wanted to go. So I didn't go to the morning service with her. I decided to try to start to go to the evening service because I wanted to hear a little bit more about this. And I don't think they had really the online thing wasn't as popular. Otherwise, I would have been all up in that online. Let me listen here by myself so nobody knows, you know, keep my pride for a little while. Um, and so I keep going. And then eventually, again, you know, have a, have a revelation that Jesus is Lord and get baptized in the water and raised above. Again, not knowing really any of what that means, but bir- faith was birthed in my heart. What I want to like just clarify for all of us, a lot of you guys have been around or in church. You know, we can speak to just about any crowd in South Carolina. It could be 10 people or it could be 2,000 people. And just about any crowd, you can go ahead and like assume that they've heard something about Jesus or they've been around church in some kind of way. And I just want you to know there is no such thing as knowing him all of your life. Because of sin. <laughs> There is a reality, a very real reality, that he has pursued you and desired to know you all of your life. But we, all of us, this is what Romans says so clearly, so beautifully, you go read it later yourself, that we all have fallen short of the glory of God and went our own way. It's important that phrase gets clarified there, that we went our own way. It means we like started to worship self. Some of us that looked like worshiping the God and, or the little G God of sexuality, so you decided what you believed about sexuality and that possessed you and led you to be your own Lord. Some of you, you worship the God of greed, and so that led, among other things, and so that led you to live your whole life from that God. How can I make money? That's where I'm going to go to school. Do you see how that works, right? So these little G gods, they just take the place of Yahweh, and they end up dictating and running your life. Some of you, good morality was that idol. Like, I want to be a good person. I want to do good. And you're like, gosh, that sounds harsh. It's like, yeah, well, it's not Jesus. A lot of people have tried really hard to be really good people and very philanthropic and amazing. And they've even done amazing things, but it doesn't bring about the life of heaven on earth. And so we get possessed by these ideas. I was possessed by the idea of basically pride, just wanting to be right about everything in my life, (laughs) which technically is everything. But anyways, Um, I was just possessed by it, you know, that and pleasure. I wanted to I just wanted to live my life for me. And get as much pleasure out of this little life, which I didn't even understand anyway. I wanted to get as much pleasure of it. So it led to all kinds of sexual immorality, all kinds of uh, pride and self-righteousness and arrogance. I mean, it led to all of that. And in a moment, seeing Jesus as Lord and giving over all of my perceived rights, which weren't rights to begin with, giving myself entirely over to him at a moment raised me to life in my heart. And then that confession was made with my mouth. But therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so that's what it means to be in Christ. We'll get to Matthew 5 here in a little bit. That's what it means to be in Christ. To be in Christ doesn't mean that I just say it. There were, you know what James says about, <laughs> what James says about that, he's like, oh yeah, you say that he's, even the demons believe in him. It's like there's got to be some works with this, some activating this faith that's, that is said to be on the inside, that we hope is on the inside, but we've got to partner with it. And the beginning of that partnering with the faith that has been birthed in our heart is baptism. And so today, again, if you have never been born again, you need to get born again. That means you get saved. You need to also, from there, get baptized as soon as possible in water. Good news for you. We're all, again, taking a trip over there today to the other side of the river. When Dominion finishes this jazz up, we would just walk right down here to the river, but... Apparently they're doing something for a really long time. It's like a mystery. It's like a, 
I mean, I don't even know. I can't even, somebody really a lot smarter than me with an engineering mind. Connor and I were talking the other day. I'm like, how did, they're supposed to be cleaning the river? I'm getting really off subject. Okay. They're supposed to be cleaning the river. And I know I sound probably, they, if they heard me talking right now, I'd be like, this guy's a dummy. It's okay. The, the, the one little pocket is cleaned out. I'm like, how does that clean the whole river? You know? Somebody riddle me that later. Okay. Um. I just, I trust that they're doing something that's cool, but I'm ready for that thing to be cleaned up so we can just go right down there after this. But poor us, we got to drive across the bridge to the other side of the river. <laughs> Tough crowd this morning on the jokes. <laughs> All right, yeah, Sophie, you got it. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You were a sinner. If you've been raised to newness in life, you are a slave to sin. That's how Paul put it in Romans 6. You were a slave to sin. You were drug around no matter how much you thought it was your own ideas. You were drug around by, slave, by, by sin. You were a slave to it. When you were raised to newness in life, you became a slave to righteousness. In the kingdom of heaven... Not the domain of religion, but in the kingdom of heaven, it is totally illegal to call yourself a sinner if you believe in the name of Jesus to save you from your sin. That will bring about all kinds of weirdness. Calling yourself a sinner will bring about all kinds, if you're a new creation. If you're not a new creation, you totally are a sinner. Sorry. Get saved today. But to continue to persist in a consciousness of sin and not a consciousness of righteousness brings about all kinds of confusion on the inner man. Teaching for another day. All right, verse 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Notice that he's reconciled us to what? Him. He's not reconciled us to anything other than him. Notice the word reconciliation. That means being brought back to an original state. The original state that we were created in and for was the image of God. We were created as the image of God to bear God's image to all of humanity, all of earth. And we tarnished that. We vandalized that is a good way to say it. We defiled that is how the Old Testament would say that. Okay, so we are reconciled through him to him. And then he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ and only in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses against them. That means not holding the debt against them. The picture, again, I just want to pause here because the, the gospel certainly needs to be preached, right? You know, the, the picture about sin is not that God is really angry and needs somebody to die because he's really angry. That's, that there, you don't find that vindictive God in the scriptures if you read them all. If you point out a few things and isolate a few things irresponsibly, you would find that. But if you read the scriptures and the narrative that points to the loving, meek, kind Savior that Jesus is, what you find is a loving Father who wants to sacrifice what matters most to him to rescue people that didn't want to have anything to do with him. Who he created. Okay, so the picture, here's a good picture of that. Uh, Anybody a builder in the room? Builders, you build things. Caleb, there you go. Just wanted to just wanted to talk to some people. Was getting tired of people just looking at me, you know. All right, Caleb. Caleb's a builder. He builds really great things. He builds a deck. Caleb could probably build a house if he really if he really needed to. I would think so. I'm going to speak that prophetically, man. Shout out. Can't wait to see the house you build. But Caleb Caleb builds things with his. Say Caleb builds a house and then he gives it freely 
to his future son or daughter. I like don't know when I'm allowed to talk about like stuff like gender reveal and pregnancy, so I just stay away from it and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so yeah, I could I could freely say that y'all are doing that today. Okay, <laughs> they're finding out. I just don't know anymore. Okay, I think it's a little girl, but who knows? I don't, you know, whatever. Matt, you think that too? All right. <laughs> Every time I, I see Matt, just waving his hand. Okay, okay. So imagine, imagine, imagine Caleb builds a beautiful house. And this house, I mean, it's just gorgeous, and it's amazing. And he builds this house, and he builds it just for his little girl, possibly girl. Okay, I don't know anything you don't know. The Lord hasn't told me anything, okay? Just don't want to ruin the fun. Okay, so say he builds this house for her, and then he, he, he gives it to her freely, and then she enters that house and just totally destroys it. You guys are like, dang, that stinks. <laughs> like, just, just all the furniture she doesn't take care of, but not, as, not only doesn't take care of, she, like, rips up. She ends up actually like burning the house down and it hurts her and her family, right? Still alive, but it hurts them. They're, they're defiled by it. This is the picture of what the Lord, like what it looks like for sin to have a presence in our life. Is it not only, it takes what was meant for good. God destined us, gave us a temple, which is our body. And not only our body, but this whole earth. The Lord at the beginning of the scriptures, his desire was that his temple would be the earth. Okay, so he, he made that, right? Yes. <laughs> the creator God made earth, just like Caleb made that house. He gave it to his children. We defiled that. So what he does is he pays for everything that needs to be repaired. Like, pays for it. In the scriptures, what this looks like in, in the Old Testament was that there was an atoning sacrifice needed because the Israelites had defiled the land. And so you would read about this ridiculous sacrifice that was constantly needed of the blood of bulls and goats and yada yada. And they had to cut them in half and it got gruesome. I was like, good Lord, this is crazy, right? And so that all of this blood was meant to pay for and reinstate purity back. Okay, so this house that's purchased, this, this temple that's purchased, this this thing that's purchased for us to dwell in with God, we defiled. When we defiled that, there was a payment that is necessary. So now the blood of Jesus washes us clean of that guilt of doing wrong and brings us back into the Father's house that he prepared for us, which is the presence of God meant to flow and function in all of earth. Available to us now. Really beautiful stuff we can get into, but there was a sacrifice needed, an atonement needed. His sacrifice, the blood of Jesus, needed to wash over my sin, sin being my guilt. Not just the things I did wrong, there is a law, but the things I did wrong introduced guilt to my conscience. And that had to be paid for so that I could live freely with God in the fellowship with God that I was afforded, that he desired for me in the same way that Caleb builds this house so that she would live in it and enjoy it forever. That metaphor certainly breaks down, but you get the picture there. That there's a generous God giving a temple for us to enjoy together with him. And we defiled it, and he pays for every part of the repairs through the blood of his son. A very expensive repair. Okay, so verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us, and we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Some good stuff. All right, now let's go to Genesis 1, verse 26. Genesis 1, verse 26. 
Genesis 1, verse 26. We're going to start walking through a little bit of the gospel. Not a little bit of the gospel. We're going to start walking through the gospel. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I was like, well, that sounds stupid. Not a little bit. The gospel of the kingdom of heaven, right? Okay, verse 26 in Genesis 1. You know that's where the, this, the beginning of the scriptures is where the gospel of the kingdom starts, right? gospel of the kingdom doesn't start with me or you getting to heaven. All right. Then God said, verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 26 right there, beautiful poem. I've said this many times. We'll say it many more times. Beautiful poem there. Speaking of the fact that humanity has been given Again, this temple, this house, this place of fellowship with God, and they're to have dominion over it. They're to be the image bearers, like we're about to read, of God on earth. There could be no higher honor. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. The first action after he created them was to bless them. First action after he created them, was to bless them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So the first action, I really want to hone in on this. The first action from Yahweh, which is the name of God, of the Bible, the creator God, Yahweh, who created everything, you and me included, the first action was to bless Okay, go to Genesis 12. What we find in between Genesis 1 and Genesis 12 is that humanity rebelled, came under the deceit of sin. The deceit of sin, the, 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 the temptation of sin and the temptation of the enemy in Genesis 2 and 3 was essentially that God can't be trusted. And that led to a slew of activity that was terrible, brings in sin into the world. Sin reigned through death. Death was now introduced, and so God wants to restore his blessing. If you guys have been a part of River for a little while, you know we've just walked through the covenants, all of them. It's amazing. You should go back and listen to it again and again and again. If you haven't been uh, in those teachings, I would encourage you to go back and listen to them because they're so important to our proper understanding of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. But God, after humanity rebels against him, chooses to bring his blessing back to earth through a family. He doesn't choose to eliminate them and restart. He saves them and preserves them through Noah and then chooses a family and in hopes that through the family of Abraham, he would bring his blessing back to earth and then God and man, Yahweh and humanity would dwell as one on earth forever. Heaven on earth. That's heaven on earth. Genesis 12, let's read this together. Yahweh said to Abram, This is verse 1. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Lots of blessing language, right? The Lord's heart for the earth is to bless it. It's not to eliminate it. I don't know what kind of crazy preacher you ever heard who was just mad at himself and had to be mad at everybody else. But the Lord's heart is not to eliminate the earth. It's to bless it. Now there's quite a, quite a, a price to pay for that for sure. But his heart for it is to bless it, is to preserve it, is to recreate it, is to regenerate it, is to rescue it from all forms of darkness and sin and evil 
and death. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Go with me to Exodus 19. These two passages of scripture, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and Exodus 19, foundational, essential. Some of you have been born again recently. Praise God. You get to hear the, simplic- the simple gospel of the kingdom of heaven and just go right into it that your life, our life as a follower of Jesus is not about getting somewhere so that I will achieve my idea of personal destiny. The life of a follower of Jesus is living as one that has been rescued from sin so that I can be a vehicle of blessing to all of the world set apart for his holy name. Believing, we'll get to that in a second. Exodus 19, Exodus 19, verse 4. You have seen what I did to Egypt, to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, and I'm just like, pause for a second because I am going over a lot, like just not even mentioning a lot of things that happened throughout Genesis and at the beginning of Exodus. But essentially, God rescued his people from slavery and he destroyed who was oppressing them miraculously. And so Moses comes to the mountain to hear instruction from the Lord on how they're to live and God comes down on that mountain and starts speaking with him. He says, you've seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. He cares. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. On the heart of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven is God. That God wants to have personal fellowship with you. What it means for you to be a priest is that you have access to God and you represent him. It means you're an image bearer. Uh, there are many traditions that have interesting understandings and beautiful understandings of the priesthood. But biblically what the priesthood is at its simplest understanding is what Adam and Eve were in the garden. Is They had direct access to God. They, were, they had direct access to God. They had direct access to God. And they could take his blessing because he is nothing but blessing, nothing but generous. And that can flow through them to all of earth. So they would, they would tend the garden and keep it. They would cultivate it with beauty. They would bring blessing to the earth and they would enjoy that with the Lord. That sounds like heaven, right? It's because it is. But I just want you to see what was lost. What was lost when sin was introduced to Adam and Eve was access to God was lost, not because God was mad, but because humanity chose that. They said, don't want access to God. I would rather eat an apple. Sounds like, don't want access to God. I would rather have a lot of money. That's what it sounds like present day. Don't want access to God. I would rather just be the, you know, whoever I wanted to be sexually. Don't want access to God. I would rather just be really successful. You know, you just go down the list. Choose something other than him. And sin is what has deceived humanity's mind. And so what happened was God chooses them again. So he's, I don't know, again, I've talked about this many times. You get rejected. I don't know how many of you guys, your first reaction to getting rejected was to extend yourself again. But mine was not. I was rejected in the seventh grade. I've told this story before. First time, earliest time, you know, I was rejected. Seventh grade, supposed to go to the movies with this girl I really liked. She said she was going to meet me there. We get there. I get there. I'm waiting on her. I've got food for her, food for 
me waiting in the movie theater, and then I look, I'm like, where is she? Look up a couple rows, and she's back there with her friends, not sitting with me. And boy, did I feel rejected. And the first thing I did not do was go and say, you know what, let me try again. I was like, I hate her. I hate her. I hate her so much. I didn't heal from that for years. <laughs> I mean, come on, you know? That's just, that's somebody I didn't create. You know? That's somebody I didn't even love. I just was like, you know, I don't know what was going on, but something was going on, and I just wanted to be, you know, and so, but just think about if you created something and someone, and they literally don't even give you the dignity of saying, I don't want to have anything to do with you, they just leave. What the father's heart in response to that was to wait and restore, to wait and restore, to wait and restore. It wasn't to eliminate. It wasn't to write us off. It wasn't to say, you know what? I'm just going to, because he can't do that, you know? He could have just been like, done. Going to restart humanity completely. But he preserved them through Noah. And then he chooses a family. And then that family rebels against him and the whole rest of Genesis. And then they find themselves in slavery again. And he's like, I guess I got to save them again. So he goes and saves them. And then he says, here's who I want you to be. I want you to obey my voice. Not because he needs to be needed, but because he wants to love us. Some of us, it's hard to understand obedience because you think obedience is centered around somebody else getting something. And for the Lord, do you understand that for me to obey his voice is for my good, not his good? For me to be instructed to obey his voice has nothing to, he is so far from being insecure, he has no need. He has everything. So his instruction to me is a good, as a good father is obey my voice, son, please. So that you could be a special treasure to me, so that I can hold you. I was holding Pierce a second ago in worship because he just, now he likes to dance and stuff like that and sing, and he's too heavy for it. And so I was about to freaking faint. Doesn't matter how much temple I've done working out, I was still about to faint trying to jump up down with him and stuff. But all he wants to say is again, 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 again. And I'm like, dude, can I get a break, please? But he didn't give me a break. So we kept going. But like, I'm sitting there holding him like this, and we're just laughing. And that is what it means for us to be a special treasure. But if we don't obey his voice to come up here and stop living your own way, we don't get this special treasure. A lot of us long for this like emotional reality of special treasure, and it does not get access until you obey his voice. Not because he's holding out, but because you're holding out. (laughs) He's waiting. Literally, Isaiah says that the Lord is waiting to be gracious to us. Waiting. Not sitting there, I can't wait for them to come back because I'm going to tell them what they did wrong. No, he's just waiting. You know, Jesus talks about this, right? Like a father who has a reckless son who comes back and he was waiting the whole time, right? But that's what it means to be a special treasure. But again, I, like there, there is a part of obeying his voice that we really got to hone in on. And we're going to get to that here in Matthew 5 over the, through 7 over the next couple of weeks. That it is the voice of our Lord. It is the voice of our master. It is the voice of the one who saved us. It is the voice of our father that we're obeying. And it is so good. And as we obey, there are parts of our mind that get renewed from the lie that he is anything other than good. Do you know the only reason you disobey something he instructs you to do or live in is because deep down you believe he's not good and he's holding out. And so you choose to try to take matters into your own hands and do things your own way. And we all know how that goes. I think we all know. If you don't know, let me tell you how that goes. It goes like death. Death of friendships, death of body, death of spirit, death of soul, everything. Just dead. Death, death of emotional, stabi- emotional, death of everything. 
Okay, so he's like, he's like, look, just obey my voice, keep my covenant, and then you're going to be a special people to me, a special treasure, a kingdom of priests. That means a whole people governed by me. It means there is a ruler, and his name is Jesus. There is a king, and his name is Yahweh, right? There is a ruler who has authority. It's not anarchy. There is a ruler, right? Right? I know, sometimes, I just like to, I'm not saying that because you're doing something wrong. I just kind of would like to talk to you sometimes, you know. (laughs) But there is a ruler. That's what it means for it to be a kingdom of priests. And so we, like, all serve this man, this God, this Lord who is so good. There is no darkness in him. And the priest means that not only, or no longer is there just a few that have access to him. You know, if we kept reading in Exodus, at that time, because sin had not yet been dealt with, only a few could have access to him. Really important you hear what I just said. At that time, because sin had not yet been dealt with, because there had not yet been an anointed one who would die for all of humanity's sin, sin had not yet been dealt with, and so it presided over humanity, all of humanity. Only a few, by keeping some regulations, could have access to God, and even that access was hindered. It was an inferior covenant. Still had glory, though. It's amazing. So they have glory. There's a few priests, and then they would go and tell God, basically, or tell the people what God had said and who he wanted them to be. Now, through the blood of Jesus, and when we confess him as Lord, and we are lowered under the water and raised above the water and baptized in his name, we now become a priest unto God, which is both both the longing of my soul and the greatest honor I could ever receive. And it should at the, like simultaneously fill me with an ecstatic joy that brings up the gift of tongues and all kinds of crazy worship and celebration. It simultaneously fills me with that and the fear of God of like, I don't know how I can do that. How am I, I'm supposed to represent God? Both of those things at the same time. If I come out of this like revelation of Jesus as Lord, it's like, good, I get to heaven. I would bet with you and plead with you. You're like, you just need to come under some repentance because that's not all the picture. The picture is, yes, amen, he saved me from sin and now I represent him. And both of those things work together. But you have to see that Israel was rescued from slavery, not so that they could say rescued from slavery. They were rescued from slavery to trust God into a promised land so that they could be a witness of God to all of the earth. Do you hear this? Do you want to know what gets absolutely drowned in a nanosecond when I understand that God has chosen me to be a royal priesthood to witness him to the earth? Do you want to know what gets drowned immediately is a low self-worth? Like he just, me, you know, little old me. Some of you guys are like trying to figure out ways to feel better about yourself and you got to just repent and stop and turn and follow Jesus because as you follow Jesus, I promise you, you will be more honored and more valued than you even know how to talk about. If you're waiting for your business to succeed, to feel honored and valued, let me go ahead and let you know that that's going to end poorly. Yeah. Your business be your business, but know that the value that you so long for comes from him locking eyes with you and saying, you are my chosen representative on earth. Holy nation. A holy nation. The word holy literally means to be set apart from him. That word nation means a literal separate people group governed by a ruler. Um, it baffles me sometimes. It should be more clear. I'm going to see if I can articulate this right. If I don't articulate it right, I'll let you know. Don't listen to it. Uh, if I 
it should be more clear that people know that I belong to the nation of the kingdom of heaven. It should be more clear to the people around me that that is the case than if somebody came from a foreign country speaking a foreign language and they would, somebody would immediately know, oh yeah, that person's from so-and-so country because they're speaking so-and-so language. Do you see what I'm saying? Like it's, it's clear. It's like, okay, they're from a foreign country. They have an accent. They, there's something different about them. Their traditions are different. And it, ta- it would take five minutes to know that somebody's from a foreign country. I just wonder how many of us, if an unbeliever actually lived with us all week long, would they, un- would they actually know Would they actually know that you were from a foreign country, a foreign nation, a holy nation? And listen, you can hear that and that can condemn you so quickly or that could convict you. That's what the Spirit's wanting to do is to convict you and mold you and shape you. Look, some of you, as I say that, you're like, no, and you feel embarrassed and condemned. I need you to know that that is not what's coming out of my mouth that condemns you. That's the accuser that wants to keep you from living in fullness of life. Because you want to know how easy fullness of life is right here, right now, as you hear that is like, oh. That wouldn't be true of me. I'm going to repent because I want that to be true of me. You're like, no other rain dance? Nope, no rain dance. You ain't got to go jump through a bunch of holes. It's just like repent. That's what the conviction of sin is. It's the greatest gift. You understand that, right? If I don't have the conviction of sin, I'll never know him. Some of us like really get, you live so soulish that you call conviction condemnation. And I just want you to like, like a limit, like stop talking about that altogether and just bet on the things that you don't like to hear being conviction. You should be like, oh, I didn't like the way that sounded. Just know every time you hear that, like in the body, I'm not talking about everywhere else, I'm talking about in the body, because I need you to know there is not a single person here, especially those that lead this family, that want anything other than for you to know him and be known by him. That's the only thing going on here. And so if you hear something that offends, chances are it's offended me and us more than it's offended you. And then second, why not just bet on it being good? And if it doesn't end up being the greatest, I don't know, just... I promise you, you'll start to see a little bit of shift, though. It's be like, man, why is God talk about my life like that? I, an unbeliever would know their love, though, if they spent some time with me. It's like, well, that's great. Would they know that you're a holy nation? Would they know that you love Jesus, or would they be like, oh, they know Jesus? <laughs> Unfortunately, that's been, I mean, for, I was in ministry for several years, in ministry, and if an unbeliever would have walked with me in my life for a week, they would have been like, Ministry? I don't even know about that. I don't even know if that man knows Jesus. I didn't know he knows Jesus. That's way off. There should be an accent to how I say things. There should be an aroma that comes off my life. There should be words that come out of my mouth. There should be conversations. I get so convicted being around some family members of mine because they're very passionate about things that, like, like certain medicines. And I get very convicted that we're sitting at a dinner table and we're talking about an issue in someone's body and this person is so passionate about a medicine and I'm sitting here with the living God, the spirit of the living God inside of me. They're like, yeah, yeah, just do this. And I'm like, waiting for the conversation to end. Come on, I've been there. Look, and I, I'm saying there are things like that. It's like, people are like, well, have you tried to have any, like sitting in a conversation. <laughs> sitting in a conversation, witnessing a conversation between a family member and another family member. Some family member or friend is like upset and depressed. And this other family member is like, well, if you would just get around these people, you go to the university, go to school. They meet some friends there. People are more passionate about their university than I am about the living God. That can't be the case. Look, they, welcome to the... I mean, I get convicted about this stuff just as you guys sometimes think I'm just saying things to get... No, I'm right here with you, you know? It's like, I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know that he is Lord, 
and it's not something that I have opened my eyes up to and I have come to an opinion of myself. It has been opened to me. My eyes have been opened by the Lord to this truth that I did not create, that he's Lord and he's the only one that can save. We got to, people ought to know. There should be, again, a, the way Paul talked about it in his letters is that there's a fragrance that ought to be coming off of us. Not perfection, you know? Not some kind of like rules, and but there, if you love someone, you talk about them. If you have been affected by something, you talk about it. And so a lot of times the good news is if you're not like, if, it, if he isn't a part of your life, your everyday life, the good news is you can go back to him and get affected by him. <laughs> and watch you just let it fly like a river. The wrong thing would do, I just, now I just got to go talk about him. It's like, no, get in the secret place, get affected by him and watch him come out of you. But know that there is no, like this new covenant that we're about to get into talking about in Matthew 5, I promise I'm going to get there. This new covenant is not a, is not a call to relaxation. This, is, this new covenant is not a call to just anarchy and living however we want to live. This new covenant is a, is a rising, is a uh, uh, bringing up of the standard of righteous living. Right. So Exodus 19, I know my chair is squeaky. A people obedient to his voice, a people who are a special treasure, makes me think of when Jesus talked about pearls of great treasure. You guys didn't know that he was talking about you. A people who priest unto him, that means we have access to him and we image bear him. A people who live under his lordship for his glory. In a little bit of time, just going to want to like mention this. Um, we're going we're gonna to have a little moment of repentance before, before we send you guys out. We go and uh, watch some folks get baptized and celebrate with them. But in a little bit, we're going to have a little bit of time of repentance to, to uh, give ourselves entirely over again to him. And what I mean by that is not, uh, we're not going to sing any songs. And that's good. There's times and a place to sing songs and celebrate and rejoice and proclaim and prophesy. But what I'm talking about is like in a manner of 60 seconds, <laughs> not some like long drawn out wait till you feel it kind of thing we're going to be you're going to be given an opportunity we're going to be given an opportunity to body soul and spirit give up all of our rights to the all of our perceived rights to the one who owns us for jesus to be lord that word lord is kyrios it means he is owner and master the way paul talked about this in the letters was that i am possessed by the love of god it's such good news that Jesus is nothing but good and loving and kind and meek. But there is nothing in my life that is my own, down to my body. Paul talks about the body like this. Like, don't you know that your own body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? It's not your own. It was bought with a price. So we're going to get some time. I can see you guys are really excited about that. Matthew 4. Go to Matthew 4. <clears throat> Matthew 4. <clears throat> All right. Come on, Matthew 4, verse 23. Matthew 4, verse 23. This is a beautiful summary of what, uh, what the beginning of Jesus' ministry looked like. You know, just to remind you... Uh, Something you probably already know. What we're, what I'm not doing right now, and what anybody who uh, is um, with integrity teaching the word isn't doing, is giving you opinions and ideas. We're just relaying the word. 
as best as we can see it. Um, and it's just beautiful. Before we get into the rest of what I'm going to read, I just want you to pause for a second and consider what, what you're holding in your hands and hearing with your ears. That you're reading an account of the living Son of God that graced earth and lived in a way that no human had ever lived. Before we get to his words, I also want to just kind of like reintroduce you to uh, the reality of Jesus being Lord and what that means about his words. A lot of times I tend to, uh, I tend to kind of um, want to treat Jesus' words as advice. Some of you guys are like, oh, that stinks for you. Like, I'm like, I hear his words and I'm like, oh, that's like a good, good uh good older mentor giving me a little bit of advice, you know? And I don't, like, consciously think that, but sometimes it's easy to slip into, like, do you understand that he is fully God defining reality for us? Why does he have that authority, and how did he get that authority? Because he defeated death. Not only because he defeated death, but because he was given that authority by his father, and his triumph over death revealed that he had all authority. And so... You guys hear what I'm saying, right? Like, he has the authority to tell me, regardless of how much I understand it, regardless of whether I know Greek or not, regardless of whether I know all of, like, what I think I need to know, like, he is the Lord. That is what his death now proclaims. That can be disagreed with, certainly. There's many people who don't believe in that. But for those that follow him and for everybody who does disagree with that, I would plead with you. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. Repent and turn to Jesus and listen to him. Do your best to follow him, right? But I just, before we get into this, I just want you to like let your heart be refreshed in the reality that we're not like hearing the words of some wise old sage who had some good things to say to us. We're hearing the words of the son of God, (laughs) And his followers. All right. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. If you need a good summary of what true kingdom of heaven ministry looks like, there it is. Teaching, preaching, healing. Like, oh, I kind of like the teaching part. It's like, cool. Your preferences don't matter and neither do mine. (laughs) Okay. Teaching, preaching, healing. In our like into, very intellectual society, what we tend to gravitate towards, I, this way, first five years of knowing and following Jesus and wanting to minister on, I loved the fact that we had to teach people how to follow Jesus, how to disciple people. But you start talking about like healing, it's like, nah. That's for the super people. <laughs> Maybe. I don't even know if that, and I just started make up dumb arguments as to why that doesn't exist or whatever, or just talk about things I don't even know anything about. What if I just tried to imitate Jesus and taught people, preached about the gospel of the kingdom and healed all kinds of sickness? What if it was really that good that I could the next time? So, what if it was just that simple that it's about it being good that sickness wasn't around? It's an odd thing to want sickness to be around, right? You know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting to me, I guess. And healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Come on, his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, 
those who are demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics. You want to know what I long for? I long for rehab facilities to have nobody to go to because the demons that tormented an addict got cast out by you and me. And you could call that fanatical and you could call that crazy and that was great. We'll get to how that's a blessing here in a second. But like, think, I just want you to think about rather than hearing me propose an idea, rather than like you hearing that as like some kind of way that I would want to live my life, I want you to just think about how wonderful it would be for demons not to torment someone. And instead of kind of doing this weird thing about arguing about whether or not you would agree or disagree with that, just think about a somebody that you know that struggles with, let's just say, addiction. It's not the only place demons promote shrooms. Let's just think about them right now. Think about how many times people have tried to help them. You probably included. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see the glory of God rest in his body to the degree that a demon was cast out like that? Wouldn't that be great? I think so too. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Bunch of people on foot following him. No maps. No finding the right church for you. No finding the child care system that works best for you and your family. It's like, get on my hip, kid. We're going and following Jesus. Seriously. Sounds different. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. It's like, dang, man, you got to make it harder. A mountain? Some of us, this is kind of funny, some of us go up a trail that's been paved for us, and it's like half a mile, and it's like, I don't ever want to do that again. And Jesus is making a bunch of families walk up a mountain just to hear him talk. I just think it's good to refresh it, like just really see the, like what's really going on, not our idea of what following Jesus is, that it's about like, you know, me feeling warm and fuzzy at 8 a.m. No, 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 I want to follow him. And if, uh, what we were singing earlier, gosh darn, if we believe that, do whatever you want, say whatever you want, move however you want, you better watch out because that's going to be amazing. But I don't, do you believe that? You know? <laughs> and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. It just cracks me up. Like, why don't you be a little bit more, hosp- more hospitable, Jesus? Come on. You got babies and women and kids and a mountain? And then he was seated, and he didn't even regard the multitudes. He just started teaching his disciples. I just want you, <laughs> I just want you to think about like hundreds. Most scholars believe like thousands and thousands of people were around at this point because of how many people he had healed and the fame and all that. Like thousands of people around, and he goes up a mountain <laughs> with a trail of people following him, sits down, and starts talking to just his disciples. You want to know what the crowd didn't care about? Whether they were getting attention from her or not. They were just amazed by him. Then he opened his mouth and he taught them. All right, that was all just building up to right here, which is where we're going to be for a really long time, I think, is what he taught from this point forward. Um, now, I just want you to take a second, and I want you to, before we get into some of uh, what he has to say, because we're probably only going to get through the next couple of verses today. Um, I just want you to, again, like picture yourself sitting before the Lord. Um, I do this often. I've been spending a lot of time in Matthew 5 through 7 because the Lord told me to. So I have been. And so I've been spending a lot of time there. And I've been like 
every time I spend time with him, I've been specifically in this passage, I've been trying to like posture my heart and sometimes my even physical body, like, like Indian style on the floor, or that might not be the right thing to call it anymore. I'm sorry. Um, but like cross-legged on the floor and like sitting before him and like literally like dependent. Right. And sitting there before him, like just what do you got to say? Put the computer away. Put even the Bible away. Like I've been trying to memorize this little passage so that I could just sit there and like in the spirit just hear him talking to me. Put everything away and just like as a little kid, little children, let no one deceive you. Those who practice righteousness are righteous. And I just, I want to just pause for a second. Some of us are possessed by like really good ideas. Like your mind is like possessed by really good spiritual ideas. And you've been so possessed by it that you can't even like just sit and listen to Jesus anymore. And so I just want to give you full permission to throw, I mean, everything I've taught you, just put it aside for a little bit. Because <laughs> anything I'm teaching you is nothing if it's not coming from him. Right? And I just want you to think about, before we get into this, like, your Lord, your Savior, the man who bled and died for you, teaching you. In that moment, what I would like to be true of me, and I think what, the, more importantly, the Lord would like to be true of me and you, is that I wouldn't sit there, hear his teaching, and then be like, hmm, wonder what that means for my life. I think I'm going to go study that a little bit. I think I'm going to go ponder that a little bit and consider what you really mean by that, Jesus. It's like, what if I could just be so childlike? What if I could be so childlike that I just want to obey his voice? And if I end up obeying it incorrectly, okay. But I just have a heart that says, oh, blessed are the poor in spirit. I want to be that, God. Don't know how to explain it. I'm going to give you a little bit of context to that because it's good to be preached about and taught about, and especially because the Bible wasn't written in English and Jesus didn't speak English. It's good to translate what he was saying, right? But what if I was just like, oh, Jesus said it's blessed to be poor in spirit. What if later on when we get down, it says, oh, you know, love your enemies. Give somebody, if somebody like strikes you, give them the other cheek. What if I was just like, yep, that's true. I'll tell you what it would mean. It would mean that the new humanity is here on earth and the people, you know that the rest of what we read in Matthew 5 through 7 is him describing how he lives. First and foremost. He's like, okay. The new is here. He starts this sermon. Let's let's just read. Okay, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He starts with eight blessings. Eight. Important that it's eight. Really important. The reason that's important is because, you know, numerology can get funky, but one of, the only, one of the numbers that's the most, like, clarified in Hebrew numerology is that eight means new beginnings. This is why when Noah, when, when Noah was encouraged to get into the ark for a new beginning, that God was regenerating humanity in that moment, there was eight souls with him. This is why if you go look into the Old Testament, they, or if you just start with God, he created in seven days, and then the eighth day... Life begins. If you go look in the Old Testament law, 
they would you know, work and do a lot of things and then Sabbath on the seventh day. And then they would call it the eighth day was the first day of the next week, which was day number one, but it was really day number eight. Kind of makes your head hurt a little bit. But this eight is new beginnings. So all of that to say what Jesus is announcing here is here is the new humanity. I want you to pause for a second and I want you to recall what, we, what I taught about Genesis 12 and Exodus 19 that God, in, in Genesis 1, that God created humanity to bear his image. Humanity rebelled, served sin, trapped under sin. God doesn't eliminate them and punish them. He rescues us through the Son and restarts and regenerates humanity to now no longer live according to the image of Adam, which is the worship of self, And to live according to the image of Jesus. And so Jesus is literally saying, I am addressing all of evil. I'm addressing all of sin, all of darkness. I am bringing about the gospel of the kingdom right here, right now. And he's starting it by saying, here are the blessed people. That word blessed means fortunate. It doesn't mean happy in like the emotional state. As you just read, there's some emotional states that aren't the greatest. In your opinions. I would encourage you to lose your statuses of good and bad emotions but whatever um he starts with eight blessings okay so let's start with the first one blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are the poor in spirit to be poor in spirit means empty before god i was once a sinner i am now a slave to righteousness i'm the righteousness of god in christ and i am forever poor in spirit What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means that I bring nothing to him that he didn't first give me. I'm only bringing, even blessing itself, like the blessing I give to him is just a blessing that is a response to the way that he has blessed me. With words, with songs, with, you know, this is just something kind of off the tangent a bit, but um, he's worthy. The reason there ought to be songs and people painting and dancing and singing and all kinds of expressions of worship is because he's worthy of all of that because it describes just how good he is and how beautiful he is and even that is incomplete so a painting that i can paint a song that i can sing a message that we can preach a building that you could design all of that he's worthy of that and there should be all of that in the body of christ but even that is not <laughs> doesn't capture all of how good he is it is still just a response to how he has blessed us but he's worthy of all of those things and so when we really grasp how good he is i promise that stuff will flow out of us this chair really is so squeaky blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted That word mourn means to be grieved. So let's just start off with Jesus creating, like recreating the new humanity. He's like, all right, here's what the the new humanity looks like. Here's what the new people of God meant to bear God's image on earth looks like. They look poor and grieved. It's like worldly way of thinking is you should be powerful and happy. I find this amazing find this also liberating blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted Uh, mourned at what grieved at the evil and the darkness all around like truly moved i got home yesterday from getting moose tracks ice cream at 9 30 because i just you know the craving hit man um it's so good it really is i said i wasn't going to eat less moose tracks but i haven't quite 
I don't know. Anyways, got home from eating ice cream, getting the ice cream, and it's like 9.35, and there's an ambulance down the road, and I'm going to, this is as honest as I can be, okay? There's this dude, a couple houses down, that every time I walk by his house, the Lord's like, go share the gospel, and I'll be like, okay, and I just keep walking. It's terrible. You know? It's like, what am I going to actually do that? Um, okay, sorry. So, like, I'm going to go talk to him this week for sure because I get up there and I, that's kind of funny, but this is the part that really stinks. Is I get up there and it's this duplex. It's this old, uh, older guy who, um, you know, he's, just, he's always having a good time blasting his music, but he lives alone. And then his buddy lives on the other side, apparently. I get up, I'm like, hey, what, what, what's going on? Just you know, want to come check it out, see if I can help in any kind of way. Obviously, I'm intending to come pray for this guy if something crazy has happened. Basically, his, his neighbor had been, like, uh, drinking all day. He hadn't seen him move all day, and he, his liver's, like, going, going, you know, to crap. And so I go to the ambulance, try to get to the ambulance, and you know how that goes. They're like, nope, can't come in. I mean, rightfully so. I'm like, hey, can I come in there? Can I pray? And they're like, what the heck are you? Go away. But whenever he gets back, I want to go share the gospel with him because, man, it killed me. I, like, well, I was, like, frazzled for the next 20 minutes. Not, like, in terms of guilt of, like, what have I not done. Certainly convicted. And it's just real time, you know, the conviction I was talking about earlier. I could be like, oh, well, you know, God still loves me. And it's like, how unbelievably prideful would it be for me to make that man getting next to death and me not sharing the gospel with him about me feeling good? It's like, man, Lord, convict me, please help me. Just drag my butt off the sidewalk and walk me into that room next time. I don't know. Just help me. I don't know why I need so so much help to talk to him about the man who has saved my life. But help me, God. You know, it's kind of crazy. This is a poor in spirit. You know, I'm right there with you. I need help, God, seriously. But, But this is the kind of mourning. These are the kind of, like, actually affected. You want to know why it's so important that gossip and slander has no place in our mouth? Because it robs you of actually feeling the way that Christ feels about the people you're talking about. And so that could be something as, I'm telling you, I've talked about, like I love watching soccer. Uh, Matthew Barton knows this because we used to watch soccer together and I would just rip some people that weren't playing good. And the Lord was like, you know they're humans, right? I'm like, yeah, but it's just a sports game, God. He's like, you're not telling me anything I don't know. They're humans. It's like, you know, I know that sounds silly, but this is the kind of people that he wants in the world. Do you understand how much heaven would flood the world if we all mourned for people that we wanted to talk poorly about? That's what Jesus did. The people that killed him, he blessed. You ain't got nobody, as far as I know, that's trying to kill you. Just think about that. Like, right, like the people that wronged him, the people that called and said, oh, no, you're no son of God. You have a demon. He's like, I love you so much. I'm going to die for you, right? This is that he was, he was moved to the deepest parts. If we read the gospels, it says that he went over to Jerusalem and he was moved with such compassion. That word moved with compassion means moved in the inner parts, in the, in the inward parts, in the guts. So when he says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. It means, are you affected by what goes on around you? Or have you taken this like self-righteous mentality of like, well, I've got mine. Reason number 5,000 why the doctrine of you just getting to heaven is not what the gospel of the kingdom of heaven is about. It's not about you exiting this bad place and, you know, looking at everybody else like, oh, it sucks for them. I'll go tell them how they're wrong. No, no, no. It's like getting so moved with compassion that you would give your very life for them the same way Jesus did. This is what love is. Come on. Are you guys hearing this, right? This is, this is the gospel. It's amazing. 
Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Do you want to know what that word meek means? It means a content, a content people. A content people. Are you content? When I start to, the, the, the old psalmist, they talk about uh, greed, like young lion, lions suffering from want. They talk about greed like a disease. <laughs> but what creates the reality in me and you that I no longer need anything? It's him. It's being, I've got him. What else could I need? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So, so far we are a poor, grieving, content, hungry people. Poor, grieved, meek or content, hungry people. Come on, this sounds like the new humanity, doesn't it? <laughs> You're like, yeah, worried about the part where I get really excited. This is it. <laughs> Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Come on, we got a poor people who grieve, who are content and hungry. (laughs) Riddle me that. (laughs) Who are merciful. I tell this story sometimes, uh, like a couple months ago. I was like, this is back when my office was like on the side of the house. I was sitting there reading, and I just hear a bang. I'm like, that didn't sound good. Sucks for whoever's car that was. And like five minutes later, I realized that was my car. And so I walked outside, and I was like, just find this. It was super sad. I was finding this, like, old fellow. You could tell he's, like, been recently hired by this construction company, and he's, like, been sent out to run errands for them. And you could tell, like, I, I, don't, know, I don't know if it was just the discernment of the Holy Spirit or what, but, like, I could tell, like, he was just, like, about to just, you know, boil over in anger at himself. Like, he was just, like freaking out some of that's not discernment of the holy spirit you just kind of kind of be a dummy not to see it you know he's just like pissed at himself so mad he had cracked my taillight i was expecting by the sound of it for the whole back end of my truck to be like you know caved in and be like well no more tacoma you know but i walk out there it's just like a little glass tailgate you know it's just busted off you go order a new one for like 70 bucks or something like that if it's cheaper somewhere somebody let me know um but i like go out there and the guy's like freaking out this is such a silly like, like example of being merciful, but he's like freaking out. He's like, dude, I'm so sorry. I mean, I didn't get a chance to say anything. He's like acting like he just ran over my first, second, and third kid. I'm like, dude, just like, it's okay, man. Like, it's just a taillight. He's like, I mean, I'll pay whatever. I don't, I just don't tell my boss. I'll pay whatever. I'll pay double. I'll fix it for you. I promise. I know how to do this stuff. I mean, he's like talking, like can't get a breath. And I'm like, I don't know if you just heard me, man. It's all right. Like, I'll, I'll pay for it. Like, just go about your day, man. It's good. And he was like, he, like, gave me this, like, awkward stare. We just, like, did that weird thing where you just, like, look at each other for a second. I'm like, so, you good? And so I just, like, asked him what his name was because I got too awkward. It felt weird. I was like, what's your name? Started talking about whatever else. It was just, like, a simple, like, you talk about, like, heaven on earth. That's heaven on earth. 
comes out of us when we believe in him. <laughs> There's no law for that. It's like, oh, my car's hit. I'm going to go bless him. Only, not to mention, I don't want to deal with insurance for four weeks. Like, whatever, man. It's just a taillight, you know? But this is what the, <laughs> you guys think, oh, that's cute. No, like, seriously, think about how many instances where you feel so wronged and you're so right to be wronged and how many times you could just be merciful. The only way we do that is not by right way of like coming up with some ideas. The only way we do that is if we have seen who he is. You want to know who's been wronged more than every one of us? Him. The ones that he created, he came to them and they did not receive him. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to hold that against you. <laughs> so if my taillight gets hit, that's nothing, you know? All righty. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. All I need is to see him. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Come on. I want to, uh, we're going to pause there for this week, and we're going to get into the rest of the, um, actually, let's read 11 and 12, and then we'll get into the rest over the coming weeks. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. You ever heard advice like that? They're like, oh, they hate you? Be happy. (laughs) It's just amazing. Oh, they don't understand you? They think you're a fool? Just bless them. It's like, well, how do I do that? Because I'm angry right now. Try. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. And we're not talking, I'm just doing what Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Come on. All right, we're going to end here by going to John 3. Will you go to John 3 with me? John 3, John 3, a couple of invitations, or really just one invitation. Just want to get into a couple of scriptures. It's really important that you get there, though. John 3, verse 3, John 3, verse 3. Gosh, the old humanity has no ability to live like Jesus. Those commands that we just started reading and those blessings we just started reading, we got no ability to be that person without him. But we're intended and designed to be that person with him. John 3, Jesus answered him in verse 3. Jesus answered Nicodemus. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, rightly so, said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? The exact response every single one of us gave him. Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do, you not, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Come on, when were you... I, these are rhetorical questions right now that I, I really want to plead with you, and I really want to like, encourage you to consider right here, right now, when were you born again? When did you put your faith in Jesus? When did He save you from your sins? When did He rescue you from that? When did you repent of your sin, turn to him, and confess him as Lord of your life? Let's go to Romans 10 together right quick. Romans 10. 
Romans 10. Come on, there is a new humanity he wants to bring you into. There is a new creation he wants to bring you into so that you can not only have fellowship with him, but be a blessing to all of the earth. And you cannot do that without being born again. Come on, let's read Romans 10, verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. What is that word of faith which we preach? It is verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. He goes on to talk about how it's free for everyone. There's no distinction between Jew, Greek, slave, free. Everybody, the gospel is available to. When were you born again? When did you put your trust in Jesus? When did you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? When is the time, the moment? You know, I happen to have a date tattooed on my arm because I remembered the date. You know, I know that it might be hard for some of you to remember the date. But I'm telling you, the the time needs to be remembered where Jesus' Lord came off of your lips because of your revelation that you needed to repent of your sin and put your trust in him. Now from there, I want you to go to Romans 6 with me. Romans 6. Come on, this is how we enter into the kingdom of heaven so that we can live in Matthew 5 through 7. This is how we enter in is through him and only through him. He is the way, the truth, the life. Romans 6, so we're going to read the whole thing. You ready? The whole thing, like it's a big deal. It's a stinking chapter. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Doesn't sound like the old man's living much there, does it? Old man was crucified with him. If we've been baptized, if that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Come on, do you see that language? That at one point we were, our body was so, our nature, our flesh was a slave to sin, drug around by it. It didn't matter how bad we wanted to not sin, we were drug around by it. You know that, right? I mean, I remember like not wanting to be the person I was, but I couldn't feel like I couldn't help the person that I was. And it was just this wretched, 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 wretched mess that Romans 7 talks about. And I needed somebody to deliver me. Let's read about that deliverance. Come on. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Hallelujah. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Come on. So just as I was dead with him, I now live with him and live to God. My whole life is about him. Let's read about how that plays out. Come on. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves. That means consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin. Man, oh man, when I actually read that, I don't know what I was doing the first 500 times I read Romans 6 through 11, but when I, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to what that just says, that I'm to not any longer consider myself alive to sin. I was liberated in ways from the power of sin 
Man, it was amazing. But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Likewise, you also consider yourself to be dead. Who is he talking about again? Those who have been baptized. He's not talking about all humanity. Really important, we get that. He's not saying, hey, this is a good new way of thinking. Try it out. Okay, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. Do you see how sin is pictured as a ruler that we either obey or disobey? How do we disobey it? By obeying him. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Wow. Present yourself to God. Does it sound like you have much of a, I mean, everything that you are to him? Giving all of your perceived rights over to him. I'm a slave to you, Lord. That's the only gospel of the kingdom of heaven. That's the only way unto salvation. No hanging on to dignity, right? For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Absolutely, certainly not. The translation of certainly not is like emphatic, emphatic, emphatic. It's like a picture of in the Greek language. It's like absolutely not. Do you, I think that's funny, okay. Everybody looked at me like I was insane. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You are that one's slaves in whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart. Come on, there's that word obey again. From the heart, that form of doctrine to which you were delivered or saved. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. In other words, he said, I got to use an analogy so that you understand what actually happened. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What does that mean? Verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were freeing in regards to righteousness. It means that when you were a slave to sin, you had no ability to live righteous. No ability, none at all. What fruit, though, did you have in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God. (laughs) Man, a lot of us want friendship with God, and that is only the fruit of being a slave to him. You want to know the only reason I would recoil and kind of turn away about being a slave unto God is if I believe he's anything other than good. If I know he's good and I've come to, and the spirit has opened my eyes through the picture of Jesus, the life of Jesus, that God is altogether good. It's like I'll be his slave forever. What could be better? Nothing. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of eternal life, gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to uh, just give an invitation. Uh, first, I want you to consider and really like the simple questions. When were you born again? When were you baptized? Um, if you have not been baptized in water, under the water, immersed in water, raised above the water, you have not been baptized according to the scriptures. So no, you know, you could have been dedicated as a baby, sprinkled. That's wonderful. That's amazing. Beautiful that there was a testimony of wanting some kind of 
like the Lord to have possession of your life, that's amazing. That's great. That wasn't baptism. It's not the baptism that the scriptures speak to. It's not the baptism that Jesus modeled for us where he literally, think about this, he modeled it for us. He didn't need to get clean. He was just modeling it for us. He's like, I got to fulfill all righteousness. This is what it means. I've got to like get under the water, raised above the water. Simple question. This is the reason why two people are getting baptized today is because they've recently been born again. They've confessed Jesus as Lord with their mouth and they've gotten in the water following that confession to signify newness of life. Um, Trying to follow Jesus without putting on the new man, impossible, miserable, you'll fail at it the rest of your life. Why is this water so important? I mean, just let's get coffee this week and I can tell you more, but better yet, just read your Bible, Romans 5 through 6, 5, 6, 7, and 8, you know? But when were you born again? When were you baptized in water? Under the water, raised again. I want you to consider that for 30 seconds and then I'm just going to give an invitation if you want to follow the Lord and you want to confess Him as Lord. And if there's nobody in here today that wants to do that, that's quite all right. I would plead with you to follow Him. Beautiful. Whatever traditions that you are scared of offending, just know that the people that were following Jesus had a whole Old Testament Levitical law that they were totally offending. So when they said they were following Jesus, they were disowned by their family members because they were not to leave the Levitical law that they were to live under. So I I say this with all respect and honor for whatever traditions you've come from, but if your tradition doesn't teach you that you were born, that you need to be born again, and that you need to get under the water and be baptized, you need to leave that and forget about that and listen to the words of Jesus and the ways of Jesus. For the sake of your soul and the world around you. And so if you want to be born again today, confess Jesus as Lord and be baptized. If you want to just raise your hand. Anybody want to be born again and baptized today? You feel like you haven't been or not feel like you haven't been those things. I know so many of you have been, which is amazing. Anybody in here want to get born again and baptized? Sweet. Here's how we'll send everybody out. Um, We're going to clean everything up. And then we're going to go over. Joshua and Ben are going to get baptized. It's going to be amazing. Um, and so it's going to be wonderful. Can't wait. Um, what I want to just say about baptism before we, before we jump into that, and just very clearly too, is like we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. <laughs> it's like celebrate and remember. sometimes I feel like I'm just like constantly raining on people's parades you know but I'm not I'm helping you out I wish somebody when I got baptized would look at me and be like hey look you are a representative of the Lord and praise God but blessed are those who are poor in spirit and so uh, Joshua and Ben would you guys mind standing right quick just before our body and I want to get in a better tradition of this or like Uh, routine or rhythm of this Um, I just want to like yes absolutely celebrate the work of the Lord in both of you Um, celebrate what the Lord's done in your life how you've come to this place of uh, confessing him as Lord Uh, like we honor the conversations you've had with Connor and the rest of our pastors we're excited about that but I want you to know and hear very clearly uh, the encouragement to endure any and all hardships to let the word of God enter you richly to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, to stay desperate for the Lord, and to know that there is like absolutely no other place where you can find life for him. But please, please, with all the like passion that I can plead with you for your own soul, 
please, please, please take it up. Make it a resolve to endure to the end. Um, he's worth it. He's good. We're excited for you. We are absolutely over the top about the fact that you've been made new. Um, I just want to, like, very clearly, I know this will be spoken over you again as you get baptized, but I want you to take Romans 6 to heart. The old man is dead. It died with him. The confession of your life, like the confession of my life now, is that we have died with Christ, and our life is hidden with him in God. And so it's his life that now will fill you. We're going to pray for you after you get baptized to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can walk in godliness. Um, but we love you guys. We honor you guys. And we admonish you like we encourage you um, and plead with you to continue to endure and work out your own salvation, your own salvation with fear and trembling. All right. I love you guys. Let's clean up all this stuff and let's get over to the, to the river wall.